2: Hello, hello, hello. It's that time of the week again. It's the National League podcast, and you're listening to Aaron in the presenting driving seat this week in place of Grant. So instead of Scottish Dorset Tones, you've got Mancunian Dorset Tones. And I'm joined this week by Luke. So, uh, Luke, do you want to say hello?
3: Hello, yeah, you've got my uh, Yorkshire dulcet tones um, as well. So yeah, proper northern tonight, isn't it? Uh, Line about, I would say, but yeah, it's good to be on again. Obviously, I, I haven't been on for quite some time. I think it might be my first podcast of twenty twenty four on, um, of course, lower league. Look, so it's good. It's good to be on tonight.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and obviously we've got well, we've got a bit more freedom tonight because the the snow and the storms meant a lot of games in our division didn't survive. The weekend, so we've actually only got four games to analyse this week. Um, but then we're going to talk about everyone's favorite uh podcast topic and transfer rumours and uh, and transfers that have already happened because I know my club have been very very active today and across the window altogether, so we've got that to look forward to. Um, but just to start off, I think in sort of honour of Grant not being here, I think we should start with Hartlepool and. Um, their big result um at the weekend, so Luke, do you want to take us away?
3: Yeah, can do of course, they were going to an Ebbs fleet side that I think and it's it's common knowledge now that you know they're struggling near the bottom of the table, um they had quite a good start to the season, like we keep saying, but In the past couple of months, they've drastically shown that they're probably not good enough for this division the way they're performing. And you know, Hartlepool have been out of favour, they've just appointed a new manager. Well, Lenny Lawrence is, of course, the caretaker manager, and then now, of course, Phillips has gone in as the permanent manager. Um, going into this game, though, um, I think the big difference for me when you look at Hartlepool's recent form is, of course, Mancini returning to the side, Mm -hmm. you know. I think he's had a major impact on them. And we saw on Saturday they went to absolutely away from home, which is a long way to go. Um, and, of course, Mancini got the goal again. And it just, for me, it looks like he's making a difference going forward. And, you know, if we remember rightly, at the start of the season, when Hartlepool were doing very well near the top of the table, the likes of Mancini were, were key players. And ever since he's been injured, they've not been the same team. So I think to see him back in the side now, it's clearly having a positive impact on um, Hartlepool.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think again, you don't just want to say how are a, kind of like a one team, uh, sorry, a one player team because that might be a little bit unfair. But you, like you say, the impact with and without um, Mancini is so stark and so contrasting. And I think it's. I want to get your opinion because I've seen a lot of people say Mancini is probably maybe top three, top five. Um, centre mids in the league, and and from I know we've not seen him play a lot because of his injury, but from what I have seen of him, I think that assessment is probably quite fair. I think you're probably looking at maybe what looking at maybe Naylor Con Clark. I mean, I know he's not played a game yet, maybe it's a little bit biased, but I would say pedigree wise, I would probably put Tom um, Connell, uh, Tom Conlon up there as well, who we've just signed from Port Vale. You would imagine he's you know gonna have the pedigree, but other than that. Mancini's really impressed me, and I think uh, if you're if you're Hartlepool, you're obviously very thankful that they've got that extension clause in the contract. But also, they'll definitely be suitors at suit- his door, won't they? So, where do you think what what if he was to move on from Hartlepool after this season? I'm going to put you on the spot, Luke. Here, give me the name uh, of the perfect suitor for uh, Mancini.
3: You know a club at the moment that I would say it'd suit, and I'd probably go as far as to say maybe your club would suit in in that attacking midfield. Well, um, I know you just made one or two new signings at the moment, but he's someone for me. He offers flair, um, you know he's someone that excites me in this division. And there's obviously a number of players at every team that there's players in the lower leagues that excite you and you, you want to go and watch. And he's certainly a player that's capable of playing at a lot higher level. I'd go as far as to say a League One player um, from from yeah. what I've seen and. You know, when he first signed for Hartlepool when he at the start of the season, you know, a lot of Hartlepool fans were excited to see what, what had come from him and he were proving the ability that he's he's capable of with his with his goal contributions and it's in other cases, isn't it? Of probably the reason he's at this level is due to his injuries. And ever yeah. since he's returned, you know, since he's had that injury, I think to come back from a, a long-term injury like that and have such such an instant impact says a lot about him. So for me, yeah. I think he's a player that could play a lot, a lot higher
2: level, in my opinion. I think to play devil's advocate a little bit, though, it's interesting because, like, we I think we do have to take into account, like, obviously, he looks a phenomenal talent, but we've not seen him do like a prolonged period of form yet because of his awful injury. So, if he can keep it up for from now till the end of the season, then I think the the for him to play higher and more than justified. But um, yeah, I think obviously. If you haven't seen his goal by the way, I think we put it on Lower League look um from Saturday. What a strike. What a strike. He literally just picks up the ball from like maybe like five yards um higher than the centre circle. Uh and drives forward to, to maybe twenty five yards and just pings one into the top left corner. It was some strike, weren't it, Luke? Have you seen it?
3: No, to be honest, I haven't seen it. He's, like I've said, from from my social media, it has been quite quiet at the moment. I've been proper busy, but um, he's that type of player though that, that with his goals, he produces some quite impressive ones as well. I know at the start of the season, um, probably a similar goal to so that like he took on a number of players and, and then beat his man. I think it was against Fylde at the start of the season. Um, yeah, he's certainly a player that I think shows a lot with his goal contributions. And he's someone that does excite me, you know, when I'm watching him and that, uh, and I think players like De Saruwe, Josh Umeara, Gray, I think will all benefit from
2: mm-hmm. him being
3: back in the team because he kind of links that forward line.
2: Just to finish off on Hartlepool before, I'm, because I'm, I'm conscious I want to touch up on Ebsleet as well and how much danger we perceive them to be in at the minute. But obviously, they Hartlepool have just announced the, sort of, the appointment of um, um, Phillips, um, so to me i mean i spoke to grant about this to me it's one of them appointments that's quite risky with not too much guaranteed reward with him i know he's, he's been at the lower levels but it is i think it is a very risky appointment for this division but as grant quite rightly pointed out who else would want to go and manage Hartlepool at the minute with with the way they're being run and things like that so what are your thoughts on that appointment? Do you see it being a success, or do you see it being a bit of a bit of a bad mistake from the ownership again?
3: Um, to be, it's not. I'm going to be brutally honest. It's it's not an appointment that particularly excites me, if that's fair in saying. Um, I know there were rumours about Dal Sal going there, and they were actually, I think it's been confirmed, there were contact between the two clubs, uh, well, between Sal and Hartlepool, I should say. Um so of course they haven't gone down that route and, and they've gone for Kevin Phillips. Um obviously he was a he's a he's a former player, did very well as a as a player, but I always have the impression that just because you're a very good footballer, which he certainly was at the top end of, of English football, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're gonna become a good manager. And what he's done so far at South Shields, yes, he's won promotion with him, but it, it took him a couple of seasons to get them out of their league and to say the budget that he had at South Shields um, for me he he didn't pull up any trees I don't think he's he's not a manager for me that's proven himself yet and it's a big job Hartlepool there's clearly a lot of pressure there because they are a big club in this division um, as it's known and being a big club but not having a a big budget for me adds a lot of pressure to him so yeah he's an interesting one but it's just one that I'm not particularly too keen on um, to be brutally honest.
2: Yeah, I have to, um, I have to agree really there. But like I said, I guess you don't get many, many decent names wanting to unmanage Hartlepool at the minute, unfortunately. So we'll see, and we wish him uh, the best of luck. But before we move on to the the other games that survived the weather, I just want to talk about Fleet and how much danger we actually perceive them to be in at the minute, because so they, I'm just looking at the the league table now that they. Are on 27 points, so they are um, joint with Awoken on 20th, just outside the the drop zone. But they have only got, had one win in the last five league matches, with three losses. So, how how do we think Ebbsfleet can address the slide? If they, if we think they can address the slide, and and where do you think the momentum and form will come from?
3: Honestly, at the moment, I think it's hard to say. Um, of course, it feels like they're sticking with the manager out there, uh, Dennis Kucharab, I believe it is. Um, and you know, he was a manager at the start of the season that it excited me. I, I think um, what he did at absolutely last season that you know that he stormed the division below by a country mile. And it just shows the gap with with how they're performing this season compared to how good they looked last season. But they were a team that I thought would be okay in this division when when I looked back. Maybe now in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but I thought with the players that they had from last season, they had a lot of players that had previously played at this level. I thought they had an identity about them, you know, going forward. And I don't think they have that identity about them. Like we saw where they were a side that had press, Hunt for the ball down. And it doesn't feel like they're doing that anymore. Um, and they're becoming more of a, of a poor side. And you can see that when you play against them. Um, so for me, I, I don't know, because it feels like they're sticking out, this manager they haven't particularly made any signings in in this window and there's just no momentum there you know they get the odd win but then they don't build on it and for me that's the most concerning thing you know they've got a game two big games coming up in in maidenhead away and then oxford away you've mm-hmm. got to be thinking at this time if you want to get out of the drop zone you've got to be taking at least four points off those yeah. two sides and then we're not even talking about oldham and chesterfield who who are coming up after that who of course are two of the big spenders in in the division
2: yeah, yeah. I think, I, I think, like you said, the the di- like discrepancy from uh, the National League North and South divisions to the National League Premier is probably bigger than than people think, and I think it's getting highlighted this year a little bit more. So that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on, definitely. Um, but I think now we should move to the other end of the division and. Talk about, especially for our both our teams, Luke. Considering neither of our games survived the weather, I think both of us should be very happy about these sets of um results yeah. this weekend, don't you? So, yeah, of I, think, I think with that, we should move on to maybe um, let's move on to we will go, we'll go dorking. Dorking at home to Gateshead. So we we've spoke about Dawkins a lot on this podcast, me, you and Grant, about whether you know, whether Matt uh Mark White should look to sort of step aside or or whether he should just focus on the you know the the chairman side of things and get somebody with a bit more experience in to save them and what and Grant said that and he got shot down by a Dawkins fan. So I don't think that's what Dawkins fans want, which is fair enough. But
3: to be honest, it, I don't think it, when when I just going on that point, um when I look at it, I just don't think it'd, it'd ever be an option, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I think the module, the model that they have there, they were a similar position last season where they were in a position and where they were struggling. And there's always been this question out there, what happens when Dorking do eventually struggle like every side does? Will he end up sacking himself? And for me, the way it goes at Dorking. I don't think that'd ever be an option. And I, to be honest, I'd, I'd have trust in Mark White. And I know I don't think it's a case of having trust. I think he's got to know himself um, that he'd be able to get him out of this situation. And I think a game like we saw against Gateshead shows that prob- that that, you know, he's he's gonna find a way out of this mess well, that maybe mess, but struggling out at the moment.
2: I have to agree because I think like you say, he the the positive side to having Mark White be your chairman and manager is I know we say every manager can know the players inside out, but he will know every single one of his players inside out, you know? And I, I think that helps in the sticky periods because they're going to want to run through brick walls for him, aren't they? Because it's his club, you know what I mean? So that's yeah. still always a positive, positive. And I think they're slowly beginning to sort themselves out at the, at the minute. But for me, I must admit, me a little bit because I was kind of expecting a comfortable Gateshead win, but he didn't. It didn't transpire like that, did it, Luke?
3: I don't want to come across as arrogant here, but on my own show, I, I did put it Dawkins to win. Um, and really? I think there's a lot of factors, yeah. And I'm I, well, I'll be honest, I put it to the 3 1 Dawkins win on my show, but um, no, when honestly, what the reason I probably did that, and I, I think the reason it plan panned out like Dawkins were to win is because. Dorking always seems to be a side that will pull out results when they need to. When it starts to do get a little bit nervy and and fans might be a bit concerned about them dropping into the drop zone. But what we notice is they always pull it out, pull it out of the bag when they need to. They did last season and they have again. And if you look at Gates at the moment, they're a side certainly out of form, probably on the worst form they've been on all season. You know, they haven't actually won in the past four games. And for a side that, you know has been in and around the playoffs for the majority of the season it's it's a little concerning and of course there's a lot of factors towards that the amount of players that have left the side in the january transfer window that have you know a few of them have, of course have gone to follow uh, Mark williamson who's at um, mk dons and in Stephen ween who produced a lot going forward not just his goals but his assists as well kieran lofthouse is a midfielder he's obviously been recalled and then loaned out to mk dons as well um, they've had injury issues with the likes of Ed Francis, who's out injured. Another midfielder, Chadwick's gone back. Dinanga's not been in the best of form. So for me, that the I could you can see this coming, and you can see maybe we're seeing a different side to Gateshead now, and maybe that they're not the same team, and maybe they're not actually a side that should be eighth with the squad they currently have. Maybe yeah. the reason they're currently eighth is because of what the squad did before it got torn apart, and now because it has been basically stripped it. It does feel like that they're certainly struggling, and I don't know about you, um, Aaron, but for me, they're a side that come the end of the season, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we saw them in the, in the bottom half. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
2: I think I think with Gator said, I think you make some really good points. So I think when the and it comes down to, we've had this discussion a lot on this podcast, but it comes down to the different. Um, ownership models and and the way you you know run like your transfer business and I'm not I'm fully aware that I'm very privileged that I support Oldham now with a wealthy owner that can sign players on permanent detail uh, permanent deals but the problem you've got when the majority of your squad is is you know based up of loan players is they can get recalled and they will get recalled and then it just leaves you bare it's the same with with like. Teams like Rochdale, isn't it? That's how they have to survive, and they do so well to get to that point. But when when the players start um, performing, the problem you've got is the clubs, the parent clubs, will say, Okay, you can do it at this level. Let's go and test him higher. And that's what's happening a bit at Gateshead. And I think that is kind of testament to the work that Williamson and Rob Elliott have done with that Gateshead side to get them to this position, but also you're going to start seeing the drawbacks of that and you're going to start seeing the sort of natural gradual drop-off because of that reason. But I, I do think with um, the way Williamson had Gateshead playing and the way Elliot um, has got Gateshead carrying on playing at, I do think they're still one of the more attractive teams in the division to watch play football, and and like we we didn't play them too, too much longer ago back at Boundary Park, and and they they you know they they pretty much passed us off the park at, at home really, and and I think as long as he sticks to the principles, I think they should be okay. I think I think Head'll I'm gonna stick my neck on the line here. I think Gateshead will finish tenth. If if you were to ask me to pull out a prediction, yeah. I've, got, I've got them finishing tenth because I think I think they're more than good enough to not get involved in like a bottom half of the table battle. But I think they've lost too many key players now um, to be in and around that playoff chase.
3: I think the problem you might have with Gateshead as well is they play a very specified uh, style of football, and that's possession-based football. And there's only a certain amount of players, especially at this level, that will be capable of doing that. Playing that style of football, and they're still quite persistent and stubborn with playing that style. Now that you've lost probably seven players, are probably not in the starting lineup that were in the starting lineup back in early December because of players being recalled, injuries um, on, on a regular basis. That is, you know, you, they're clearly having to bring in more players, but it's going to be very difficult to bring in players for them to gel um, straight away when they need them to, you know, gel straight away. And have an impact on playing in that style of football so for me when I look at Gates and I just think it's going to be a struggle this second half of the season and you know we saw at Chesterfield away from home they got absolutely thumped yeah. there and losing to York but also drawing to them it's it is a little concerning and I think maybe if you're a Gateshead fan you wouldn't say you've thrown it away because there's nothing you can particularly do about it but you'd be saying in a way what what could have been? Maybe if we kept yeah, the squad together, yeah. because I think if they did, maybe you you would say they, they could be a, a genuine promotion contender uh, in in those playoff spots. And at the moment, for me, when I, when I look at them with the injuries they're having, the players recalled, players leaving, of course, they'll, they look like a bottom half side, and if not a relegation battle side, if to be to be brutally honest, in the last couple of games.
2: Yeah, that that's fair. That's fair. I guess, uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think going back to the actual game, though, Dawkins versus Gateshead, it is, it is important to mention that Gateshead were down to ten men uh, after twenty-five minutes. So you know, like, it was always going to be a tough task for them, weren't it? I mean, I've seen, I've seen the beauty challenge, and I don't know. I don't know. I think if we could have orange cards in football, that would be an orange <laughs> card. For me it's like in the middle. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a straight yeah. red but it's definitely worthy of it like more than a yellow so <laughs> I, I don't really know yeah. where we go with it Um, but yeah so it'll be interesting to see how.
3: Probably If you're a Gateshead fan you'd be saying it's a yellow and if you're a Dawkins fan you'd be saying it's a straight wet, uh, red yeah. to be honest and, and that would literally be the bottom line I think yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see how both the sides like progress from this moment, whether Gateshead can sort of pick themselves up, maybe do a little bit more activity in the transfer win- window. But I know Gateshead don't have too much finances, so it'll be interesting. But with Dawkins, I think they will just kind of s- s- find a way to survive now, really, like, like we were just saying. So it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Um, To go on to another player... I playoff. just
3: want to ask, you, can I just ask Go on, me? sorry.
2: Sorry.
3: Sorry, Aaron. Uh, but can I just ask you one question? Right. You look at South End at the moment. I know I'm kind of turning away, but they're of course in twelve. Um yeah. do you think they're gonna finish above Gateshead coming into the season?
2: That that's a good question, Luke. I mean I mean, they've signed they've signed some good players, haven't they? Like even just this week with the with the embargo lifted. But so I'm looking right now, so the six points off and have they got any games in hand? Uh let's have a look. Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven and twenty-seven. So the, the, the the six points off Gateshead and seven points off the playoffs places. So it 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 can be done, can't it, it, it can be done. But I just don't know whether at this time of the season. Back end of January, you know what I mean. If it was the start of January and they were getting loads of plays in then, then maybe. But we're like, we've got what ten more days left of January, um, and I just don't know whether the gap will be too much. But with the sort of resilience and um, like passion that that Southend side and the manager have shown this season in adversity, you can never write them off. So I can't really give you a a yes or no answer really, but I don't like sitting on the fence. So if I was to give you a yes or no answer, I'd probably say the gap is probably a little bit too much at this side of the season. But I would I also wouldn't be surprised to see them up there.
3: I'd do you wanna I'd actually disagree with you on that. Um when I look at South End at the moment, because it's only six points and we've got uh, 19 games left of the season, I believe. I hope I've done that right. I think we have got 19 games left of the season. Um and when I look at South End at the moment compared to Gates I personally can't see them not picking up those six points. I, I'd go as far down to say maybe I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but maybe Hartlepool could be a side that have finished above Gateshead come the end of the season. Um, of course, they're performing quite well themselves, Hartlepool at the moment, in, in the last couple of results. Um, for me, yeah, they're just a side that I'm not too keen on with, with the transition that they're having at the moment, Gateshead, And I do think it's going to be damaging for them come the end of you the know. season.
2: It'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on, and that—that's what this podcast is about, right? We, we we come together, but we have different opinions, and we, and we debate them. So yeah, and um, so moving on to the like the other side of of the playoffs uh, battle at the minute, the other big result for um, both of us really this weekend was, um, well I say it was I say it was a big result for the playoff places, but. They're not actually that close to the playoffs. In fact, what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna to go to Bromley first. I was gonna to go to Kidderminster's big result at home to Aldershot, but we're gonna to go to Bromley first okay. and talk about Bromley and Boreham Wood. So, um, yeah, do you wanna do? Do you wanna get us into that?
3: Um, yeah, can do. Of course. Bromley face Bournemouth, Two very similar sta- sides in the way they like to play. Two quite in- industrial sides. Have certainly both been in this division for a long time now. And and so have the managers as well. I think they're the two longest-serving managers in this division. I, I do believe I hope I've got that correct anyway. And um, it was one that I predicted to be quite low-scoring. Um, and I and I think a lot of people probably didn't think it'd be straightforward for Bromley as as it would be. Um, well, no, as I think a lot of people, sorry, I should say, saw this coming, maybe not being straightforward for Bromley, because they're playing against a side that play quite similar to them. Um, And yeah, it's certainly not one on paper that looks like it's going to be a a firecracker. But yeah, it was actually high score and a two-all draw. Um, Yeah, I think for Bromley's perspective, you're going to have results, you know, not be getting the three points that that you need against sides that are struggling. So... I wouldn't be too concerned as a, as a Bromley fan. Of course, you look at the results as of late, a, a, a few draws in there against Maidenhead um, as well. And I don't think it's too concerning. I just think the way Bromley like to play, they're going to struggle against sides that play quite similar to them, if that makes yeah. sense. Uh, probably do better against the the sides that like to play the more attractive football. But from Bournemouth's perspective, it's a very good point away from home. And we're certainly seeing improvements from them in the last couple of weeks. I'm beaten in four now. And, um, yeah, they're certainly a side of have underachieved so far this season, but getting results like that away at Bromley for me um, shows that they are improving.
2: I think what's interesting with that result for me is, and I, I wonder, I mean, Bromley fans feel free to disagree and correct me, but I wonder, because there's a there's an 11-point gap between where Bromley are in second and, and um, fourth place, I wonder whether it's they're starting to get a little bit, complacent and are taking the foot off the gas a little bit because they think that they've got a, you know quite a big gap comfortable there to, to the rest of the teams in, in the playoffs and obviously they'll avoid that, um, that dreaded Illuminator game, won't they? Um, so, yeah, I think for me it's just maybe a bit of complacency and um, but, yeah, who knows? I mean, you look at the game itself and um, it was... It was actually Boreham Wood that, that saved the game, pretty much, weren't it? So, Bromley were 2-1 up, uh, thanks to Whiteley and Reynolds. And then um, Sass Davis pulled one back um, for Boreham Wood. And then it was a pyre to score the equalising goal a minute from time. So, you could argue that, really, Bromley threw that one away and, um, but like you say, Boreham Wood are starting to come back in. We've had discussions about Boreham Wood on this podcast about whether they're sort of too fickle with the sort of play style and whether, you know, because they, they don't really change the, the squad as such, do they? Brom? Uh, sorry, Boreham Wood, they've had the same bulk of players for, you know, maybe three, four seasons now. And we we've talked it on the podcast recently about whether it's time to freshen up. But like you say, they seem very resolute and they seem to finally be picking up the form. So yeah, I think that's an interesting but fair result, really.
3: Yeah, I'd probably agree with you on that. Um the only thing I probably would've dis- disagree with you on is maybe the complacency bit. I think any side that's that's probably second in the league at, at the moment, you, you you know, you look where they are. I think every time you might have a and I don't I wouldn't even class it as a blip because it's two probably two games you might say you want to win, but for me, I think if they start losing, if they lose the next couple of games and they've got Aldershot away, which is a big game, then Fylde and then Hartlepool, that's when you start to maybe thinking they're going through a, a bit too much of a blip and maybe they're being a bit complacent about them being second. I, I do understand your point there, but I think for me, um, I think sides like Bromley and Barnett know how much of an advantage it would be because the two sides that have been in the playoffs before to be in second and third, that they will not be... um thinking about taking the foot off the gas at all. I think it would be too important for those two sides um, to um, finish in second and third because of the advantage you get in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I I think before we move on to the, the final game, now is probably the right time to uh, take a listen to this week's sponsors. And um, so we'll be back in about a minute's time and we will dissect the last game and then finally get into the juicy part of the podcast and talk transfers so we'll be back in a second
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
2: Right, perfect. So we're always very thankful for our sponsors here at Walksport Media. So thank you for that. And let's carry on with the um, analysis of the action. So we've got one more game to bring you now. And it was it was a big game and, and quite a surprising game. Again, um, obviously, it's Kidderminster 4, Aldershot Town 2. And it was quite a big game in, in more than one sense of the word, really. So it was... It turned out to be um, Stokes's last game for Aldershot, which w- we'll talk about later. Um, and also, it was Kidderminster's um, first game under Phil Brown. So, yeah, I mean, Phil Brown to me doesn't ever strike me as a. I always say this and I don't. I don't want to sound too rude, but there's always you. You crop of like. Traditional English old school managers that always get jobs in the lower leagues, and Phil Brown is one of them. He's not brilliant, but he's also he also saved you from a scrap. It's a bit like Big Sam. He's like the the lower league version yeah. of Big Sam to me. Um, and look, he's coming, coming, and coming and done a job. But I think in the in the first half of the game, you could argue really that um that. Um, that Aldershot were in control really. Um, so yeah, what what are your thoughts and what are you thinking, Luke?
3: Well, I think you come into this game and you look at the difference between the two sides. Um, Aldershot actually struggled against and They actually managed to win, but struggled against them early on in the season and, and scrapped a one nil win, I believe, against them. Um, earlier on in the season. Um. You look at all the shot going into this game. Of course, I think they were desperate to get back to, to league action after they had been knocked out of the FA Cup, followed by being knocked out of the FA Trophy, which was a, a competition that they took serious because, you know, they're, they're very passionate about getting to Wembley because it's they're probably one of the only clubs of a, a club of that size that have, that have not been to Wembley yet in, in their entire existence. Um, so you'd be you'd be happy to be back to league action. You'd be thinking going away from home to a side you know, bottom of the league table, still as I speak now, you'd be saying this is a perfect game for us to to get back to winning ways and show that That's we mean it. business in the league. And going 2-0 up a, a way at a side that, you know, the lowest goal scores in the division is, wow. is a perfect start. You know, Kidderminster, but prior to that game had only scored twenty goals all season in twenty eight matches. You'd be thinking going two 0 up you'd be you'd be pretty comfortable going there. But maybe we're seeing a change now since Phil Brown's come in, you know, he's a manager that I think he don't, he's, a, he's a bit like the Hartlepool new manager, he's not a manager that particularly excites me, but for me, a, a club like Kiddemans at the moment in their position, they're not going to be attracting the most exciting managers. Um, and I think it takes a manager like Phil Brown to go in, who's clearly got the experience at this level, knows all the teams off the back of his hand and, and knows what the league's about to come in yeah. there and, I think just going back to the point of being two 0 down. I think getting back into the game shows a lot and shows something different to this Kidderminster side, and shows that he's he's had an in, instant impact there. And you have to say Kidderminster they're still bringing in a one or two players. You know we've seen uh, Gerald come coming. He's proven himself in the league below and and at this level to a certain um, point when he when he was at um, Halifax and I think was he at Wrexham as well um, after that. So. For me, I think from Kidderminster, I think it shows a lot of character for, for them to still be fighting and, you know, to score four goals when you're 2-0 down, it's probably the result of the season. Well, it is the result of the season so far for them. So, for me, fair play to Kidderminster and maybe, just maybe, this will be the start of their uh, quest for survival this season.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've just hit the nail on the head, though, with like um, Phil Brown's style and stuff. Like, he he's an, an attractive manager. By any stretch of the imagination, but he is—he is a manager that you know will get his team to run through brick walls. You know, he'll want his team to be be the ones that are doing the most running in games. And sometimes when you when you're in a relegation scrap, that's what you need. You need that fire in your belly, and you need that sort of grit and determination. And look, he's got a hell of a job on his hands to do. But if he manages to do it, I think that that'll be up there with probably his probably especially recent time, uh, greatest achievements in his career. But, um, yeah, like, it's an interesting one, really. I mean, we might as well touch upon it now. So, Aldershot, um, obviously, that that result leaves them uh, only one point adrift of Rochdale in seventh, but with a game in hand, actually. But, obviously, they, they have just lost Stokes. So, what are we thinking for Aldershot's yeah, like um, second half of the season and, and also I, I I want to put some time aside for that transfer itself because to go from the to go from the fifth tier um to the second tier is quite remarkable, isn't it?
3: Yeah, um I'll just point out on on that transfer he has actually been loaned back to all the shop, so they've actually oh, got okay. him for the season. So it's kind of—I actually read it wrong at first—but uh, it's actually a good deal when you think about it because they've got a fee for him, which will be quite a substantial fee, and you know will will be good and, and very beneficial to Aldershot. But they've also got him for the second half of the season, and I think you can't argue with that business. It's very, very good business from Aldershot, um, and I think with what's been happening in recent weeks, in, in the blip that maybe you'd say they've had. This is one silver lining with, um, obviously, Josh Stokes extending his stay at Aldershot and not actually leaving. You know, in recent yeah. years, what you've, what we've seen, at like Gates said, they've got a standout player, Stephen Wien, for example. He just goes straight into the higher leagues, doesn't get a loan back or anything like that. He's literally there. So I yeah. think for Aldershot to do that and get the loan back says a lot um, about them. But yeah, of course, they sit sitting 10th at the moment it's not that bad but i think when i think the fa cup and the fa trophy might have damaged their position at the moment yeah. because there's always this saying isn't there? um you'd rather have points on the board than than those games Absolutely. in hand and i I'd agree yeah. with that and i think we saw with ball and wood a couple of seasons ago when they had their fa cup and fa trophy journey it kind of was detrimental to to their uh, playoff chase come the end of the season and i think now what we've seen when Aldershot had a few games in hand to to finish comfortably inside the playoffs, now they're outside of the playoffs, and it's actually not in their hands because Halifax and Gate said both above both them as well. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that.
2: Yeah, to me, I think before we start on the transfer stuff, I think just touching upon tomorrow, there's going to be some big games in the sort of in and around the playoff positions that will sort of give you an indication of who is kind of there to stay and who will drop off. So the the two, the two big ones for me, and again. I'm trying not to be biased, but it is a big game. So you've got you've got Rochdale away to Altrincham, which is a massive game for you probably say it's more of a more of a must-win for Rochdale than Altrincham at this point. Um because I I think I do, I mean, I've given Jim McNulty all the credit in the world since we started this podcast. And trust me, that's hard to do sometimes when you're a staunch Alden fan, but he deserves it and they deserve it. Um but I do think at some point the injuries and, and the lack of funds are going to catch up with them. So, But if they can get a point away at Alteringham tomorrow, then, then maybe not. And then, obviously, you've also got a very, very big game down at Boundary Park tomorrow as well with um, Oldham versus Barnet. Now, it, you could even look at this two ways. So you could look at this. The last time Barnet came to um, Boundary Park, Idris Khan, who absolutely tore us to shreds. And... The, the way we were the second best team on our own turf. But if you go this season, we, we've gone to Barnet and beat them 4-1 on TV. So, you know what I mean? It's anyone's game, that really. I think I think, I would probably argue... I mean, it's hard for me not to argue against. But as the form... I was going to call it as a form team, but then I don't know whether you can look past Chesterfield. But as one of the form teams at the minute in the division... And being at home, I would fancy all to, uh, to be able to just about secure the job. But I do think it is is—it's going to be quite a high-scoring game because uh, we we can score a lot, but we'll also concede a lot. Like We've won the last three in the game. We don't talk about heading in the uh, FA Trophy Luke. OK? That was the second team. That doesn't count. Um, um, but in terms of the league, we're, we've won our last three and we've won our last five away from home as well. So, you know, it's going to be an yeah. really interesting battle. And I think I think them two games tomorrow, especially, will give you a good indication of who's gonna fall out from the playoffs, but also who's in there to stay.
3: Just touching on your side, Oldham, then, um, and I know at the moment they're the side for me that you know I'm actually predicting to finish fourth come the end of the season, but I think with a play that's brought in now, uh, they're playing, you know, under Mickey Mellon, they actually average two points a game. If you averaged two points a game throughout a season, they would have finished second this season, um, the way it's going at the moment anyway. So for me, I, I think I genuinely think they'll finish fourth. The only issue you might have with Oldham at the moment is that home form. They're sixteenth in the league based off yeah. home form, but they're second best away. They're playing against the Barnet side, um, who've got the fifth best away record coming into this game. Of course, they're so actually third in the league at the moment. Um, I believe they're third, or they might be yeah, they're third in the league at the moment. Um are you, do, you, do you think there's any concerns there for you? Um, or do you just think it's coincidence why you're 16th in the league at home? Um, of course, playing against a fellow playoff candidate tomorrow night.
2: So I've been having this conversation with my dad all the way through the season and it might seem a bit of a weird thing to say, but it's something we genuinely believe. What I think it is, is I think being one of the bigger teams in this division that Oldham are, even without my bias on, we are one of the bigger teams in the division. I don't think sometimes we can raise our game for for teams come into Boundary Park. I think we struggle to play in front of like eight and a half thousand like you know eight thousand fans on a regular basis at home because we've not had that for years. We've only started getting them numbers since the Rothwells took over and I think sometimes the players get a little bit nervous and just kind of can't really shake the responsibility. But then you go away from home and for some reason we've we've been playing like prime Barcel Barcelona away mm-hmm. from home. You know, like it's it's a really sticky one. But in terms of the game tomorrow, I don't have like I don't have any sort of. I was gonna say I don't have any doubts, but I don't have any worries as such that we won't give a good game and and we won't be able to deal with Barnet. I think we. I mean, it might be very sort of naive for me to say, but I think I look at Barnet and I think you try and mark Kabamba out the game and you mark. Carnu out the game. I know Carnu especially, is easier said than done. But then you probably go on to win the game. That's exactly what we did at, at their place, you know, and, and we got the result. But this will be interesting because I've been going uh, back and forth with the guys from the Bees podcast, uh, the Barnet podcast all week, and we've been having banter. And they'll probably be on their podcast tonight or whenever they do it this week, saying the exact same thing that I've just said for and for Barnet. So I think both sets of supporters will be expecting to win the game, so it'll, it'll be an interesting viewing tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly should be. Um. So going into the favourite part of the podcast or the most exciting part of the podcast, it is we're now very, very deep into the transfer window, Luke. And I think fi- I only feel right. I should really sort of take away with what my boys have done. Not just this window, really, because I think we've had a really strong window. Again, I'm trying not to be biased, but I do think you look at the players that we have brought in and we've definitely strengthened the tide. But especially today, we've managed to get a guy uh, that we chased all summer, rejected us, uh, rejected um, Chesterfield and then ended up going to Barnsley. But in, in the weirdest turn of events, he's now back, well, I say back at Boundary Park, he's now rocked up to Boundary Park on loan. For the rest of the season in Andrew Dallas and for me obviously there's this question marks there a little bit because obviously only i think he only played like five six times at Barnsley i think he scored on his debut didn't he, he won 7-0 i think didn't they? he he scored in that game and i thought oh he's going to go on and kick on but then for some reason for some reason or another it was Barnsley's prerogative to loan him out to scotland and he went to Kilmarnock and he i think he played maybe 15 16 times and it, for some reason, it just didn't happen for him there. But now he's he's come back to the division. Well, last year he got over twenty goals, and you're looking and you're thinking, at this division, really, with a front two of James Norwood, who I'm expecting to be out for two to three weeks, maybe as well, with a with a, um, a hamstring strain. But obviously, you've got suitable replacements for this division, like like God's number nine, like Fondup coming in and. Kurt Willoughby and things like that, so I'm not too worried really. But when them two are back and form a partnership, you you could be looking at a a forty partnership, you know, a forty-goal partnership. Like that's how good both of them players are. You know what I mean? So it's scary, really, the the squad depth, especially in the attacking areas that we've got now. And and I don't think we've finished either yet, really. So I've I've been doing a lot of digging today, and I've I've found out some stuff, and I can say we've pretty much certainty that in in the week coming up, all of them are going to sign one more player, I think, to round off our transfer business in January and that player, I've been given three adjectives from my source and we've been discussing this and you've given me one name that you might want to share Um, mm-hmm. the the three adjectives that I'm going to share, because I know there's a lot of Latix fans listening, is it's going to be a winger, he's got a lot of pace and, and he's played at a higher pedigree now, Luke, do, do you want to tell the audience the name that you came up with before recording and why you think that that could be a good fit?
3: Yeah, well, I think there's only three labels there, which kind of narrows it down, especially when you go into the higher leagues. Um, but the one name that sticks to my mind, I'm not saying this is the one, but the one that just suddenly comes to my head is uh, Junior Morais, who's at Notts County. He's fast, he produces girls. He's proven himself at this level. He's also gone and played in the division above at Notts County. Of course, at the moment, with the amount of depth that Notts County have got, um, he hasn't particularly been needed so far this season. and He's only actually made eight appearances um, for Notts and could potentially be a possibility that he goes into the lower leagues. But the only maybe question mark would be Stuart Maynard coming in now. Um, he'll be well aware of what Junior Moraes can offer and I think he'll be certainly one that will be up for getting the best out of the players that have come from the lower leagues as, yeah. as well as those players that have come to there. But that's the one name. I'm sure as this podcast goes on, I'll I'll think of one or two more as well.
2: <laughs> well, do you want to talk upon, Obviously, you're probably best placed to talk about it. I don't really know much in terms of. I've have, have facts had much trans, uh, January transfer business going on in goings, out goings. Like, have you got any rumors on your side that you want to share?
3: Halifax is very different to Oldham in that rumours kind of uh, circle if that if that makes sense because of course it doesn't publicly get announced on on Twitter where Oldham you know hours before there's yeah. rumours going around everywhere where Halifax they kind of go about the business quietly um, and it just comes out of nowhere and it's 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 kind of nobody and um, we have actually made one signing so far um is a striker which is something that we we certainly have needed um so it's good to see that you know was brought in somebody now. and um, The name's gone out of my head. I think it was something George, but he was obviously at Birmingham City. He's had a loan in the league below. and um, Actually scored a fair few goals in the league below. I think four goals in seven appearances. He's had his injury issues himself, and I think that might be why he's been playing at such low level. And I think what Halifax is well known for is you don't know who they are when they come to the side, but you know who they are once they leave. And I think this could be another example, and I do... Genuinely think maybe if we don't even if we don't see the best of him this season he could be someone that um, maybe next season could could be a, a big name and, and might I think will eventually go into the football league but apart from that we've we've had um, it being announced that apparently we're bringing in a midfielder um on the Halifax Curry have announced that um, um, and I think yeah.
2: I think I might be aware of who that midfielder might be actually
3: he allowed to publicly announce I, that I, or? I was
2: going to ask. I don't. I I tell you what. I tell you what. I'll tell you after we finish recording. And if you think it's it's strong enough, then you can do whatever you want to do with that information because I'll pass it off then. Um. But yeah, I'll I'll, I'll dissect that with you after the recording. Um. But yeah. So obviously today was always going to be a bit of a a shorter. Uh, podcast episode because of only the four games surviving the weather but just as kind of a little bit of fun before the uh before we wrap the episode up I just wanted to say if you could pick a name or a position well I'll go name actually for your yeah. side currently it can be as as like fantasy you want it to be obviously we, we can't both just say Lionel Messi up front like you know what I mean it's got to have a little bit of realism to it if you could pick one January signing to like round off your window for your club, what would it be? Shall I go first?
3: Yeah, you go first then.
2: Okay, so I'll go first, and I'm going to keep it quite realistic. And again, this isn't to try and wind up the um, the bees pod lads, but I've I well, we've been linked this January with a move for Idris Karni. Um and for me. All we need now... So, going into January, we needed to like strengthen the mid, uh, the right-back position, which we have now with um, with a new acquisition in the right-back position. We needed to strength, strengthen midfield with Tom Connellan. We needed a striker that was different to all our other strikers that could run in behind, yeah. and now we've got that with Andrew Dallas. And I think all that's left is a pacey winger with a bit of skill, and Idris Carney fits that bill. And, like if the rumours are are to be believed, he's not very happy at the minute of Barnett because of playing him left-back. I mean, it does seem a bit crazy to me that you've got probably the best winger in the division and you're putting him in a defensive role. But but listen, Barnett a third, so obviously something's working for them. But I know he's not very happy with that situation at the minute, so that would be one to keep an eye on, maybe. But that would be my dream. But I don't know whether it's going to happen. But maybe he... The thing is, he fits the bill of them three three criteria points, wasn't he really? Because he played for Peterborough. He, he's got pace and he's a winger. So it, I tell you what, if we, if we sign Idris Karnou this week as well, you might as well give us a playoff trophy now, Luke. But I don't yeah, think I that, but that's my, uh, that's my, my my fantasy signing. What about you?
3: Um, I'm going to, it's kind of realistic, but then it's not because we wouldn't go in for for him because he's at a club um, in the. but I'm going to keep it nationally. That's probably a better way of putting it. Um, I would like Mancina at Halifax. It wouldn't happen, but he'd be the type of player that I'd want. I think he's someone that offers goals and, and goal contributions as well. He's exciting to watch. And I think he'd get the best out of the other players in the side. Um, I think Josh Stokes is certainly someone that I'd, I would love to see at Halifax. And I do wish that, you know, he was someone that we, we might assign at the start of the season. Um, Cause he's certainly a talent, but of course that had never happened. Um, and Probably Chris Con Clark as well. Um, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to look at it, altering him. Um, I've kind of gone off topic now because he said one. Um, but no, I think maybe I'd look at an Oldham striker because you've got loads of strikers <laughs> there. Um, like Get your hands off
2: James Norwood.
3: <laughs> no, I, I was thinking over uh, the goat, uh, Fondop. <laughs> oh, you
2: want Fondop? <laughs> okay, maybe we can come to an agreement you there. Only, I'm sure.
3: No, I'm only joking. You can keep <laughs> but no, I'd, I'd, I'd look at someone maybe like Reed. I think he was someone that. I think a lot of people said I could see him going there when you had all your issues with him and his Instagram story and I think he'd, he'd probably be the most realistic one that I'd, li- I'd like to see at Halifax and I, I think he'd do okay at, at the show to be fair but I don't think we'd go in for him with, with his personality personally in my opinion. Yeah, it,
2: it's an interesting one with Reedy yeah. because I personally I can't see him playing for us again this season so it'll be interesting to see what Maybe happens that. with him. Um, yeah. But in terms of the podcast and everything we wanted to cover I think that is episode done for me unless you've got anything that you wanted to bring up this like I said this episode was always going to be a a bit shorter with the reduced schedule but I hope you've enjoyed uh, me in the hot seat this week and Grant will be back next week and I'll be just back to being one of the crew. So um, I've enjoyed the responsibility. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you have enjoyed listening, be sure to uh, find us on Spotify and find us on Apple Music and where else you uh, you stream and listen to your podcasts and make sure to leave a five-star review. But that's it for today. So I've been Aaron and Luke, if you want to sign off, and then and then we're good, yeah?
3: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on once again, Alan. It's been good to speak to you and then catch up about the National League. And um, yeah, I'm sure we'll speak again soon.
2: Amazing. See you next week.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods